Seltzer Kings Podcasts. Hey, are you into werewolves, mad sciences, and a little bit of witchcraft? Then stay tuned for an all-new episode of Watch Corner. We're riding this train straight into the sun. Woo! Tune in to a classic episode of Watts Corner on the Seltzer Kings Network. Available on all podcast platforms. The following podcast contains... Other truckers! That hurt like a butt cheek on a stick! Explicit language. Hello and welcome to the podcast that asks a simple question. When you celebrate a communion with a Ritz cracker... What the hell were you thinking? I'm your host, Dave Bledsoe, and this is a Friday, March 24th, 2017, putting the fun in fundamentalism edition of the show, where we talk about going godless, a topic sure to be non-controversial. Stay tuned. The What the Hell Were You Thinking podcast is brought to you by Christ 2.0, a messiah for the 21st century. Are you tired of the old analog Christ and in the market for divinity down with the times? Try Christ 2.0 for iOS and Android. No more waiting for Sunday to worship. Stream content on demand when you want, applicable to modern themes, like the parable of the barista who spells your name correctly, or blessed are the artisanal farmers, for locavore shall inherit the earth. A divinity for the digital generation, Christ 2.0 puts the mystery and majesty of heaven in your hand in a simple, easy-to-use interface. Use the promo code JESUSSAVES and get five free sins forgiven at sign-up. Christ 2.0, disrupting traditional religion with best-in-class strategies for the future, one sinner at a time. Anyone who says there is no God is a liar. Simple, sweet, complete, and honest. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. I know every atheist that I've ever met, just about every one of them, very few, but just about every atheist is a, is a damn liar. You know you are. And you're evil, you're wicked, you're vile, and you're liars. And you don't want to be told that by somebody else. It wasn't that too bad. Isn't that just too freaking bad? All of this world that says there is no God are liars. Total, willful, and complete. There is no such thing as unconscientious stupidity when it comes to this. This is conscious, willful stupidity. It, uh... It probably won't surprise you that uh, I do not attend church services. There are many reasons this is so, but the majority revolve around hangovers and that restraining order filed against me by the Archdiocese of New York. It, it turns out priests don't like being sexually harassed by a grown man in a Catholic schoolboy uniform. Oh, the sick fuck! And of course, being an atheist relieves me of any obligation of going to a building with a bunch of other people to talk to a god who presumably is everywhere. Are prayers like a shitty cell phone provider and the signals are better in a church? No one can actually explain this to me. So I was a little concerned recently when I read that atheists are in danger of dying out. Apparently we're being outbred by the religious. <laughs> yeah, I know, that's the definition of old news. But some fellows by the name of Lee Ellis, Anthony W. Hoskin, Edward Dutton, and Helmuth Nyborg... Oh, wow. Good, Nyborg published a study in evolutionary psychological science that posits atheists are in real danger of going extinct. 
They say, quote, We also propose that the inverse association between intelligence and religiosity and the inverse correlation between intelligence and fertility lead to predictions of a decline in secularism in the foreseeable future. A contra-secularization hypothesis is proposed and defended in the discussion. It states that secularism is likely to undergo a decline throughout the remainder of the 21st century, including Europe and other industrialized societies, unquote. Which is just some world-class shade-throwing couched in technobabble. What Messrs. Ellis, Hoskins, Dutton, and Nyborg are saying is that stupid people breed like rabbits, and a lot of stupid people believe in religion, ergo religious people are outbreeding atheists. And people accuse me of being a dick. I mean, this isn't exactly groundbreaking theory. I believe it was Professor Python who first promulgated this theory in 1983 in their daring study on the reproductive habits of Catholics in industrial age England. Blame the Catholic Church for not letting me wear one of those little rubber things. Oh, they've done some wonderful things in their time. They've preserved the might and majesty, even mystery of the Church of Rome. The sanctity of the sacraments, the indivisible oneness of the Trinity. But if they'd let me wear one of those little rubber things on the end of my cock, we won't be in the mess we are now. Now, I'm not a scientist unless you count my brief education in mixology, and that shouldn't count because I was expelled from bartending college because I refused to take the course on mojitos because they violate my deeply held convictions about sugary cocktails. They're wrong. Just wrong. But I'm pretty sure that religion or lack thereof, is not coded directly into DNA as though it was some sort of purely inheritable trait. Because if it was, this here podcast would be about how the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ wants you to donate your security che- social security check to Brother Dave so he can afford a new Gulf Stream for witnessing to the sinners in the Barbados Islands. Praise Jesus! I come from a very long line of re- very religious people. The kind of people who go to church five and six times a week. The kind of people who believe deeply that shouting amen at the top of their voice in reaction to a particularly rousing piece of preaching is not at all odd or disturbing. Trust me, it is. The kind of folks who send their kids to vacation Bible school instead of summer camp so they can get their Jesus on seven days a week. What I'm saying is, God was big in my family, and if it was a genetic trait, the Bible in my house would be used for something other than hiding my stash. And I'm not alone in my rather small family either. My sister, who's not an atheist but doesn't spend a lot of time contemplating the state of her soul, either would be the doting wife of a well-coiffed Baptist preacher if religiosity ran in our blood, or uh, running her own church because she can bullshit just as well as I can. And her three kids all to some degree or another hold some kind of religious beliefs, including one of them who thinks he's a witch, but that's neither here nor there. But they don't seem to embrace the rather intense faith of their grandparents either. Anecdote is not science, I grant you, but the vast number of people I know who are agnostic, atheist, or just flat don't give a shit all seem to come from families where religion was something more than a casual Christmas or Easter affair. And hard numbers appear to be hard to come by. Pew's research on religion provides most of the casual researchable data on the web. There's a 2016 study that showed religious nuns now comprised about 20% of the population, up from 14% in 2007, with those who identify as atheists comprising only a sliver of that demographic. The remainders are agnostics, apathetics, or the greatest cop-out of all, spiritual but not religious. What the fuck does that even mean? I don't know that you dance naked in a pagan grove at midnight on Halloween. I fucking who cares? It's stupid. Go rub your chakras together. 
A statement like that is just as meaningless as compassionate conservatism or intellectual libertarian. According to PRRI, and many of these religious nuns are young people increasingly driven away from the church by their perception of angry of religion being angry and hostile to the LBGTQ community. And I cannot imagine where they might get that crazy idea. And God says that marriage is between a man and a woman. I don't care if you think I'm judging you. The fact is, the God of the universe, he is the truth. Jesus Christ, not Muhammad, okay? It's just like these Islamic extremists, extremists, okay? They're not just extremists, they're Islamic. President Obama, Islamic. And those numbers I quoted are just in the United States because going God, godless is big on the continent. I mean, it's so Euro to lose your faith. In the Czech Republic and Estonia, they make up the majority of the population. Fully 75% of the Czech Republic identify as religiously unaffiliated. And the numbers there continue to grow ahead of those here in America where the good godbotherers have a stranglehold on our culture and definitely on our political process. But even with the Bible thumpers whacking their books on our foreheads, we're growing in a steady clip. So where does the big die-off come in? Is God going to be sending some sort of giant meteor that only kills the heretics, heathens, blasphemers, and apostates? Jesus is coming. And boy, is he been. Some hay has been made that evangelicals supported the great orange hemorrhoid during the election. But when the numbers come out, those who did and do don't... Uh, you know, so much uh, go to church. I mean, they totally espouse the bigoted, closed-minded, xenophobic ethos of the evangelical Christians, but without all that pesky getting up on Sunday and going to church and missing football. If there's anything, <laughs> they are worse than regular church-attending God-botherers, since part of the whole message of Jesus is compassion and caring for the stranger among you, and they're easily just able to skip over that part while waiting for the football game on Sunday. Overall, church attendance is way down across the board in America, even if people don't necessarily think of themselves as, as not being religious. Peter Bynott writes in The Atlantic this month that regular church attendance services has plummeted in general, and attendance among working-class whites has dropped twice as fast as college-educated white folks. Even African Americans are skipping Sunday at a growing rate, and I can say without painting with too broad a brush that church is a bedrock of the black community in the way it hasn't been in the white community for many generations. And it goes beyond just religion. The black church has been a driving force in the civil rights movement since its inception, but now seems largely left behind as young African Americans participating in the Black Lives Matter movement feel they don't need to wind church attendance and his conformities into their movement. So what, what's going on here? Why are people leaving their faith? Look, I don't know how the mainline faiths get their thing on, but the churches I grew up in were crazy fucking scary. I can pinpoint the exact moment I started down the path towards godlessness, and it was the night that I got saved. And if you're not a fundamentalist Christian, you probably don't know what that means, but in the more extreme faiths, getting saved is your big ticket to heaven. And unless you're saved, you're fucked. What you gotta do is get down on your knees and beg Jesus to take all your sins away. What is your sin have you committed lately? 
Well, to tell, tell the truth, I was never quite clear on what sins I might have committed that required me begging forgiveness. I was like, ten. And sinning-wise, there just wasn't much I could have done. I wasn't even masturbating yet. But Baptists are big on original sin. And you just can't wipe that out with a little sprinkling as a baby. You want to be forgiven as bad as you want to sin, apparently. Anyway, being saved is just the first part in a two-step process that lets a sinner into heaven. I'll get to the other one in a moment. The night I got saved... People were yelling and crying and shaking in the pews. My family weren't Pentecostal, but they were as close as you could be without seizures and snakes. And we'd gone to a Sunday night service, our second service of the day, and the Holy Ghost got into the place good and people were feeling it. I was feeling it too, if by it you mean totally freaked out by all the yelling, screaming, crying. And I'd grown up in that church, so it was way past the point of normal for me to be scared. So when my dad turned around to me and said, if you want to go up and get get right with Jesus, the last thing in the world I wanted to do was leave my seat and go out there with all those screaming people. What I wanted to do was go home and watch Battlestar Galactica, which had the misfortune of coming on at Sundays at 8 p.m. Instead, I have this crazy crying man asking me if I want to go up and talk to Jesus. So, uh, I got saved. I asked uh, Jesus to forgive me for not letting my sister play with my He-Man action figures. It, it was the only sin I could think of. And of course, asking Jesus to forgive you is not, the, uh, how, is not how you get into heaven. That's just how you open the door if you're a Baptist. It gets you on the waiting list, but not a table. For that, you gotta be Baptist. Call up a fucking preacher, goddammit. We can't baptize you. And none of that sprinkling either. You gotta go under. And despite many attempts to get me dunked, I always managed to put the brakes on it by using my very real fear of fucking drowning to get out of it. So, thanks to me never learning how to swim, I kept myself 50% pagan all through my childhood. So, it also means I will not get my ticket to heaven punched, unless that time I, I got drunk and fell out of, of a canoe into a river counts. I, I do recall screaming Jesus Christ as I went over. Uh, I, I'll consult a doctor of divinity just to be sure. By the time I was in my teens, my parents went into kind of a long hiatus on the whole church thing. My dad would go, but the Sunday tradition of waking up early and forcing my sister and me into good clothes so they could drag us down for three hours of fidgeting sign and asking when we could go home was largely abandoned. I mean, that doesn't mean they didn't try to give me religion, which had the opposite effect of what it was intended. And I probably would have just remained one of those apathetic unchurched if my dad hadn't gone after my Dungeons and Dragons. Well, this game affects the most intelligent of our children. And the pieces include white witches, wizards, necromancers, the, the clerics, that type of thing. It includes evil wizards. It's a white versus black witchcraft. The good versus evil is white versus black witchcraft. And Anton LaVey, the writer of the Satanist Bible, says there is no such thing as white witchcraft. Well, being a Satan worshiper, he should know. Yeah, he should. At the height of the satanic panic, my folks decided I was way into the game. Perhaps so far as not knowing what was real and wasn't real. I was given an ultimatum. I could either quit playing the game, sell all my books, or I could go into therapy. And I strongly suspect their therapist probably was a minister. And I want to point out that at no time did I ever consider the contents of a game where elves and orcs fight and people cast magic spells to be real. I mean, I'd been reading fantasy since I was seven years old. I had a pretty firm grasp on what was reality and what was fantasy. I'd watch Star Trek and Star Wars. And I was really sure that we weren't flying around in spaceships like that. So the insinuation that I might actually be insane from my father, 
who believed then, as he does now, that an invisible man lives in the sky, and that guy created the earth in seven days, flooded it in forty, sent his only son, who was also him, down to earth to save everyone, who raised the dead, healed blindness, who himself was killed, and then came back three days later, and teleported into heaven, were literal facts, and he accused me of not accepting reality because I played a game with dice and paper. That kind of fucking pissed me off. Pissed me off then, it pisses me off now. I didn't become an atheist on the spot, but I'm sure as fuck started to have some doubts about the whole idea right around that time. Oh, and by the way, I never actually quit playing D&D, I just kept my mouth shut about it. What I did do, however, was get into heavy metal music, which definitely had more demonic themes than TSR could ever dream of displaying. I often wonder if my parents ever regretted that shift, because at least D&D was a quiet activity, unlike my play in Slayer's Reign in Blood, which had an unholy volume. They might have been angry about that and thought it was satanic if they could possibly understand the lyrics. I couldn't either, really. If it helps anyone who might be listening concerned on the state of my immortal soul, neither D&D nor heavy metal music has convinced me to pledge my service to the Dark Master squatting on the coals of infernity. Indeed, I regard the devil with the same credence I lend to Drizzt Dwarden, Santa Claus, and Gavin's girlfriend. Fake, 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 fake. Showing us a Photoshop of you and Emma Watson standing together is not credible evidence, Gavin. Are atheists dying out, or are we on the rise? Is America becoming more secular, or are we on the verge of a great regression-slash-revival of religious fervor? Are the end times at hand, as the evangelicals want to believe? Will Trump ban abortions and force everyone to pray in school? Or will I be forced to gay marry my brother-in-law? I I gotta say no to that last one. I don't think it would work. I mean, I love my brother-in-law, but I can't see us being happy together. I'm not that into college football. Speaking as an atheist and a cynic, I want both sides to know that religion in America is cyclical. It ebbs and surges as demographics change over time. Believe what you will about gods, religion is a human construct and it responds to social pressures and shifts. The Puritans came and founded New England, but by the time of the Revolution, their religious dominance had waned to essentially irrelevance. The Founding Fathers, despite what you might hear from Republican politicians, were not particularly religious men. But they were influenced by the Great Awakening, which split religious denominations off from their parent religions, not unlike how the colonies split off from their mother country. The Second Great Awakening spurred Protestant revivalism across the land, turning back the clock on on the rational deism that characterized American religion during the founding and bringing back a strong element of the supernatural and reform movement intended to drive the country away from the sins of secularism. The Third Great Awakening got religion to swing back towards progressivism and social justice and drove the abolition and temperance movement. So I guess you take the good with the bad. There are people that dispute the awakenings past the Second Great Awakening, but I'm not here to debate the history of theology. Really, I'm here to do dick jokes, all right? This guy better have some good dick jokes, I'll tell you that, honey. I mean, this guy better have a big, long, purple vein dick joke to pull himself out of this comedy hole. Waves of immigration over the years colored the religious landscapes, all of which impacted how faith interacted on the society as a whole. And at the same time, secularism grew as people established a separate national identity, identity not predicated on religious faith. And this spurred the Fourth Great Awakening and the, and the rise of fundamentalist and evangelical Christians taking an activist political stance 
largely uncultural issues. This process has stagnated, and religion is no longer a matter of personal faith, but of political ideology. Or at least it is on the right. I know a lot of liberals who possess a deep and committed religious faith not tied to their political leanings, and in some cases despite of their political leanings. But I don't know of a single evangelical Christian who is not deeply committed to a hard right political ideology. Sadly, that faith now represents some truly unpleasant views about women, about LGBTQ persons, and definitely about the Islamic faith. And it's pissing off young people who are fleeing churches in droves. I posit that what we are seeing now is not the end or the beginning of atheism or the end or the beginning of religion or the shining city on the hill. What I believe is that we're at the precipice of a fifth great awakening. And that's a turn back towards progressive religion and an openness to secular society where religion goes back to being a matter of personal faith and stops being a matter of politics. I predict, take this for what you want, that by the middle of the 21st century, we will not recognize the idea of faith as it exists today, except on the fringes of industrialized societies. And even in Islam, which is evolving towards whatever number of awakening it's on, because I don't know Islam, I, I can barely read the Quran in English, much less in Arabic, so I don't know what the fuck they're thinking. But it's that's why radicalism is such a problem there right now, because they realize their religion is changing the same way that right here in America, radical Christians are veering into white nationalism. I'm no scholar of religion, but I can read a book and I can read a demographic chart. Religion is not going away. It's slowly swinging on the pendulum of history. And as for the atheist, we're not going to die out. We'll grow a little more, but our numbers are not going to dramatically change. Oh, stop booing. There's nothing wrong with it. There are dozens of us. Dozens! We're not going to see any atheist utopias, the kind envisioned by the young and newly faithless atheists. God, I'm so glad we grow out of that. Faith in humans is a byproduct of our brains and our evolution. Michael Shermer calls it a spandrel, and he named it for an architectural detail that exists because of the richly decorated meeting points of the arches that support Gothic cathedrals. They're so beautiful, people think that they were created to provide the space for these beautiful accents, but really, they're just the way things fit together, and someone tacks some decoration in there to fill that empty space. Shermer thinks that we're, that where several key structures in our minds come together, that's where we put religion, and we just it's just sort of a decoration that we hung there because there was an empty space. Oh, fuck it. Just, just read the book. It's in the show notes. What an atheist does is see the structure, not the artwork. Maybe our brains are broken, or maybe we're just more involved than the rest of you. I, I think we all know where I come down on that. But trust me, we're not going anywhere. Because deep down inside, most thinking people hear this little voice that says, dude, the guy was dead three days and he just came back. Or, you know, um, if my wife came to me and said that she was pregnant with the son of God, I would be positive that she'd fuck somebody else and thought I was a fucking moron. That little voice is where atheism lives and you guys just ignore it. But it's always there, whispering to you in the middle of the night when your rational brain is in charge. And I'd like to think that when you hear that voice, it sounds exactly like me. 
That is it for this week's show. I'm doing back-to-back shows tonight because we have a guest in the studio and I needed to get something up to tide your needy asses over until we can do the edits on an interview show. And there's going to be copious amounts of Jameson consumed and it won't be happening tonight. Keep an eye on your feed, though, because it will be going up sometime this weekend. Until then, follow us on the Twitters at the Hell underscore podcast or the show name on Facebook. Rate and review the show on iTunes. All the shows are at the show name on SoundCloud and at www.whatthehellpodcast.com. For me, Dave Bledsoe, the right Reverend Producer Gavin, and all the fictional sky deities on this show, we want to say there's no fun, fun, fun in fundamentalism. We'll see you all real soon.